0: All right. We get to start Revelation tonight. Woo! Woo. It's in the back, uh, page 994 in the Black Bibles, which you ha- should have somewhere around you. Revelation chapter 1. We'll be reading the whole chapter, Paul on it handing out the word, which reminds me, if there's somebody here, it's going to be a whole lot easier for me to talk if you don't, just uh, thanks. Um, If you don't have a Bible, or if you know of somebody on your floor or in your dorm who doesn't have a Bible, would you please just take one of these? Just take one. Um, If you let us know kind of the area where it was from, we'll replace it, but... Uh, Please, if you don't have one, just take one. And now Revelation chapter 1, page 994. Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests, serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, hand he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining with full force when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead but he placed his right hand on me saying do not be afraid I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead. And see, I'm alive forever and ever. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now write what you have seen, what is and what is to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You'll find it helpful to leave that open. She was 19, six months pregnant, with a two year old girl. Three months earlier, her husband had been killed in a construction accident. And as she gathered, with the others in the storage area behind a storefront. She sat and just for a minute took a breath and as they always did, the fears came back one after the other. What's gonna happen to us? A widow with two kids. How is this going to work? My parents can not help us. They're aging. They're old. We have to help them. My older brother lives too far away. What's going to become of us? What What will I do for my children? How is this ever going to work? His name was Rufus. He owned a farm. And not just a farm, but an estate. Some of the land he had inherited, but then through really good business practices, he had gained more. And he had an expanse that he was eager to pass on to his children and his children's children. But he'd heard the rumors. Famine. Famine was coming slowly across the empire. And he had enough. But would he? If a drought came there, Would he have to sell off his land? Would he have anything left to give to his children? Would they be left without an inheritance? The fear kept him up at night. Titus had figured out a perfect business opportunity. He would connect with the farmers and ranchers in the surrounding area, and he would connect with the priests in the temples and he would figure out just when the perfect animals were ready for the right festival. And he sold them the best sheep and the best auction and the lambs just when they were ready. And he was making quite a pretty penny at it. But he lived in fear that someday someone would notice that he didn't go to the festivals anymore. That ever since, That guy had shown up a few years ago talking about Jesus and how in this religion God had actually done everything for you, he'd stop going. But if everybody found out, he'd be out of a job or worse. Thyatira, Laodicea, Pergamum, cities in Asia Minor, we now know it as Turkey, cities that were run by fear. The Roman Empire at the time was in a season of tumultuous political turmoil. Nero had died in the 70s, but then there had been a few emperors who'd come up and gone down, and no one was really sure who was in charge. There had been wars ever since the 60s, Gaul, Germania, Judea. Was their army strong enough? Would the empire stand? Vesuvius blew in 79, wiping out Pompeii, spreading a cloud of ash across the region, terrifying everyone. And for these three in particular, they were well aware that their beloved Pastor John had been exiled for preaching about Jesus. They were very aware of the threat. Not only on their communities, but on their businesses, on their children, on their lives. The fears came again and again and again. The world is a dark and scary place, and you have to be afraid. No one is going to care with a widow with two small children. There is no one for you. Be afraid Famine will come. It will wipe out everything. You will be left with nothing. Your children will be left with nothing. Be very afraid. They're going to find out about you. They're going to find out the truth. And when they find out the truth about you, they're going to reject you. You will have nothing. Be very afraid. The world is a dark and scary place, and you must be very afraid. A man drives a truck down a boulevard in Nice, France, mowing down pedestrians. A man walks into a nightclub in Orlando and slaughters people. The UN insists that they will send more peacekeepers into South Sudan, whether South Sudan likes it or not. Britain votes to leave the European Union, pushing us all into economic uncertainty. Race relations in the United States continually pop up and boil up and never really go lower than a simmer. And the political situation in our country right now is interesting. (laughs) The world is a dark and scary place, and you better be afraid. If you're not paying a fa- afraid, you're just not paying attention. We scroll through our news feeds. We listen to NPR. We watch television. Does anybody watch the news on television anymore? And we see one thing after another after another that says, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And if that was enough, we have the things that always circulate in our head. You're not good enough to be here. All these other students are smarter than you are. Have you noticed that everybody else on your floor has better stuff than you do? You're not gonna make the team, you probably won't even make JV. You're not gonna make first chair. You're not gonna get into the nursing program. That internship you want, That's not going to happen. You're going to graduate in May, and you're going to have nothing. The world is a dark and scary place, and you better be very afraid. Sounds familiar? It's an old lie. It's an old lie that began at the beginning of the book, At the beginning of the book, when evil came in and said to the man and said to the woman, you better be afraid. God's got more power than you do. You better do something about that. You better be really afraid. You better take power into your own hands. And they tried, and it was a mess. And so now we are at the end of the story, or at least the story that's contained in the book. And the old lie is still there. And Pastor John, who writes this letter to his seven churches, the seven churches that he loves, he's very aware of that old lie that gets played over and over and over again. And this is why he says in verse 3, Hey, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and keep what is written. Because the voice of truth needs to be louder than the voice of the lies. And you need to be able to understand the voice of God so that you can silence the voice of the enemy. And so as we read through Revelation, we are going to read it aloud in our study groups and in worship. And we're going to sing it as we already have because we need the voice of truth. And so Pastor John... From the very beginning, he says, let me get a few things clear for you. Let me remind you who we're dealing with here. And even his greeting, grace and peace to you from the one who was and who is and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. This is a God that stretches over time. This is a God who is there at the beginning. He's there right now. He's going to be here at the end, and he gives you grace and peace. That God gives you grace and peace. And then he has these really interesting names for Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Faithful witness, the word translated here as witness is also translated sometimes as martyr. The faithful witness, the faithful one who is ready to go all the way to death, if that's what it takes, who's ready to lay down his life, the faithful witness, the faithful martyr, the chief martyr. It's an important theme for the book. The first Born of the dead, which sounds super creepy when you first hear it. Firstborn means there are other children that come after, right? Great. Firstborn of the dead, what is that about? <laughs> Jesus, and some amazing, beautiful, flipping up of events, is actually birthed out of the tomb, newly born, resurrected, powerful, Firstborn of the dead. And firstborn means there's going to be a secondborn, a thirdborn, a fourthborn, and like an 876 born. And that's us. So John is saying to his people, He is the firstborn of the dead, but you come after him. You are his little brothers and sisters. You are people of the resurrection. Faithful witness, firstborn of the dead, ruler of the kings on earth. Caesar, whoever it is, is not the ruler. Jesus is the ruler of kings of the earth. Pastor John is pulling it out right from the beginning and shaping up the rest of the letter. This is where we're going, he says. This is what we're up to. And then he gives them this little thumbnail of redemption in just a few words. To him who loved us, and freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom priests serving his God and Father to him be glory and dominion lordship power sovereignty forever and ever amen it's like he can't hold himself back right he's got to write this now he's he's already had the vision and now he's like trying to figure it out he's like i can't stop this is going to be awesome and he says, he's gonna come back. He's gonna, everybody's gonna see him and the ones who crucified him, they are going to, they're gonna know. It's coming. And then we have God who speaks and he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. The Omega, is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He's saying, I was there in the beginning, I am there in the end, and I control all of the middle. There is nothing that is outside my reach. I am the alpha and the omega. And now, Lydia, Rufus, Titus have heard this much and they're thinking, well, this is, they can finally take a breath. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, that's who our God is. Oh, oh, this is getting better, great. Until the person who's reading the letter keeps reading. And John says, okay, this is what happened to me. Guys, you're never gonna believe this, but okay, listen. Okay, it was like, okay. (laughs) It was the Lord's day. P.S., the one time that phrase is used in scripture refers to the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, refers to Sunday, which is why Christians worship on Sunday. I was in the Lord's Day. I was worshiping in the Lord's Day. I, your pastor, was worshiping on the Lord's Day, and I fell into like this trance, and I heard this voice, and it said, write it down, and I was like, what is going on? And I turned around, and I saw seven go to landstands, and in the midst of the landstands, there was one like the son of a man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash across his chest. And the people in Thyatira and Smyrna and Pergamum, they're like, hey, that's cool. That sounds awesome. <laughs> his head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Ooh. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining with full force. And everybody who's here in the letter thinks, oh, This is going to be a short letter. <laughs> this, this is what happens. Because everything they had been taught about gods in paganism said: when you get close to the holy, it's dangerous, the holy will take you out. They are never going to hear from their pastor again. This is it. This is the end. This is where it goes down. He is in the presence of the bright, shining Jesus. This is not the Sunday school, flannel graph, Jesus storybook Bible kind of Jesus. This Jesus is armed and appears to be dangerous. And so John, perceiving the situation correctly, falls down on his face. And everyone who's listening to the letter goes, good call, just duck, just duck and cover. Just get down. Stay out of his way. But then, something amazing happens. This Jesus, this bright, like, shining like the sun Jesus, but he placed his right hand on me. Now, I want you to picture. So... John on the ground, flat out. Jesus, Jesus, like, honey. John, don't be afraid. It's me. I'm the first and the last. John, it's okay. I I was dead, but but I'm alive now. I'm alive. And right here in my pocket, keys to death and hell. Right there, got him. (laughs) in the first century, everybody on the little circuit who would have gotten this letter and heard about a great and mighty Jesus who reaches out to assure a human, rather than waiting, as all of the pagan gods did, for the human to assure them, they would have said, wow, there's something going on here, this is different, this is is not like anything that we have heard before. And then Jesus does something else. He says, oh, hey, um, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, they lived in a culture where religion was mysterious and secretive and you had to be the highest of the high priests to have any idea what was going on. And right here, Jesus is like, oh, oh you didn't understand that? Okay, here's here here what it was. And we need to understand that for the entire book of Revelation, Jesus wants us to get it. He wants us to understand it. He is excited and eager for us to get the message. He did not write it in code to confuse us. That is not who he is. He is the one who says, oh, are you confused? I will help you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't want to confuse you. I want to tell you all the mysteries that you can bear right now. And then the other thing, let's say you're in one of these seven churches, and Jesus says to your pastor, the seven stars that you saw in my right hand are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands? are the seven churches. You're living in Ephesus. It is a pagan city through and through. Artemis is the goddess. She rules over everything. You can hardly breathe some days without. And Jesus says, your angel is in my hand. I know you. I know what it's like to live in Ephesus. Laodicea, I I get that. Pergamum, I know what that's like. I'm holding y'all right here. And I'm in the center, the lamp stands. the churches are around me, and I'm right in the middle of things. You are all under my protection. You are all under me. You don't have to worry about anything. And can you imagine Lydia sitting there with her little girl in the middle of this little church and she hears this letter and she thinks, Jesus is holding our church? Like, he he knows me? And I'm in a church and they're gonna care for me and they're my family. I'm not alone and I don't have to be afraid. Because Jesus is holding this church, and he's holding me, and this church is going to help me. And Rufus hears these words, and he's reminded again that Jesus is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and that grace and peace is extended even to him who's worried about losing everything, and then he realizes it's just stuff. I'll be all right. God's got this. And Titus hears that Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of earth. He hears that he is the one who is holy and righteous. He's reminded that God is the Alpha and the Omega, and he realizes that he's working for pagans. He's working for himself and not God And as he hears even just the first chapter of the letter, he is convicted and says, I'm going to live my life differently. I'm going to make a change because I don't want to live in fear anymore. I want to live in faith. And that old, old lie that says the world is a big and scary place and you should be afraid gets softer and softer and softer because it's Jesus who reaches out and touches each one and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You may not make the team, Don't be afraid of that. You may not like half of your classes. Don't be afraid of that. You may have come in convinced that you are going to major in engineering and halfway through October, you're going to go, I am not majoring in engineering anymore. (laughs) Don't be afraid of that, even though you have a t-shirt that says Calvin College Engineering even though your parents have been telling everybody you're going to be an engineer, even though it was written in your high school yearbook. Don't be afraid to change your mind. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of not being identified by a romantic relationship. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of people not liking you. People like you. All of you, I've asked around. (laughs) People think you're awesome. Don't be afraid of graduating and not being able to make enough money. Don't be afraid of not being the smartest kid in the class anymore. Don't be afraid of being an RA who actually, every now and then, has to take a night off. Don't be afraid of trying Sabbath for the first time and letting that homework go for 24 hours. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because you, are children of the Most High God. You are children that He loves. You are children that He has freed from your sins by His death on the cross. You are precious and beloved by Him, and He is victorious. There is nothing that will happen in your life that is a surprise to Jesus. He knows your life, He knows who you are, and He loves you. And he is the one who draws near to us tonight, as close as these people all packed in. And he's the one who touches us. <laughs> Don't be afraid. <laughs> he's the one who comes that close and says, I know your name and you are precious to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the one who was and who is and who is to come. Your eternal destiny is secure and everything from here to there, I will use in your life to make you look more and more like me. Don't be afraid. Don't live your life small. Don't be afraid. Don't ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to live your life as large as the Lord will let you. Don't be afraid. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for our brother John who with a pastor's heart calls us to the deep truths. And as we read this word over and over again, we pray that the voice of truth will drown out those old lies that tell us we aren't good enough and we're not up to this and no one will care for us. And instead, we pray that the voice of truth rings louder. And we pray that you equip us to be agents of that voice, to speak that voice into the lives of other people, to not let anybody get away with reciting old lies. May this be a community where truth and grace reign, where you, Jesus Christ, are Lord of Lord and King of kings. We thank you that you have loved us, that you have freed us, you've made us into a kingdom of priests and knights. We thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower us, that you want us to live boldly. You give us the courage to turn away from sin and turn toward good. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To you be glory now and forever. And all God's people say, amen. Amen.